Bible, turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 this evening. As I mentioned this morning, there are 17 irrefutable errors in the King James Bible. And uh, every one of them is absolutely true. We're going to look at one one again this evening, found in Psalm 19. Uh, Let's begin at the beginning. We'll just read the whole psalm. It's not real long. I had to memorize it for uh, uh, English grammar and comp class uh, when I was in college. Uh, My mother came down to Chattanooga, and uh, we drove down to my sister's in Macon, Georgia, however far that is, about 150 miles, I think, uh, maybe a little further. And uh, she read this psalm to me over and over and over again while I was driving. And uh, by the time we got down there and back, I had it memorized. I have forgotten it through the years. I haven't been over it in a long, long time. But it is a psalm about the glory of God. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Now, the firmament is outer space. The heavens, that's atmosphere, outer space, both, because it's plural. But the firmament is outer space. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, in the heavens, hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And then he switches from the heavens declaring the glory of God to the word of God declaring his glory. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are these things than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Notice back in verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. That's one of the 17 errors in the Bible. One of the 17 errors found here in this verse. Who can understand his errors? That's not talking about God's errors because God God doesn't make mistakes. It's who can understand why we do it. Who can understand why we do stupid stuff? 
I mean, the Word of God so clearly guides us and directs us and helps us to know how to, how to be pleasing in God's sight, how to be healthy, how to, how to live a, a godly life, how to be a shining light for the Lord Jesus Christ, how we ought to walk in this present world. The Word of God is clear. Oh, Joshua 1.8, one of the verses that I've used perhaps as, many, as much as any other, says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Wow. Nice to be successful. Wonderful to be prosperous. And the Bible gives us the key. So when we do things that keep us from being prosperous... When we do things that keep us from being successful, when we do things that violate the Word of God and hurts us and hurts those around us, who can understand that? We're just not logical beings. Now, we men like to think we're logical. You know? We're problem solvers. Our wives try to tell us about a situation. And it took me 35 years to learn, don't solve her problem. She does not want you to solve her problem. Just say, wow, honey, I, I feel for you. You know, I usually can't reach her, but I feel for her. <laughs> but, uh, just beyond my understanding. But, uh, you know, I mean, she tells me such and such happened or so and so said such and such. And, and immediately I can give her two or three solutions. Well, this is what you should have said. This is what you should have done. This is what you ought to do. You know, she don't want to hear that. Okay, took me a long time to figure that out. She told me over and over again, it just took me a long time to figure that out. Who can understand my errors? <laughs> I mean, after she's explained it to me, I don't want you to solve my problem. I just want you to listen and sympathize and, you know, provide comfort. What good does that do? It doesn't help the problem any. <laughs> but who can understand our errors? Who can understand why we do such stupid things? The uh, actor, Paul Walker, is that his name? The guy that he and his buddy, uh, he, did, he did the Fast and Furious movies, okay? <clears throat> Driving cars really fast. Uh, he and his friend had been out drinking and on the way home he had already promised he wouldn't drive promised his dad he wouldn't drive fast anymore so he let his friend drive his car drunk <clears throat> who can understand that and uh, they hit a tree doing 120 miles an hour the car burst into flames poof killed them both uh, who can understand that that's what that's what the psalmist is asking who can understand our errors who can understand when we know that in order to please God, we've we got to stay in His Word. We've got to obey His Word. We've got to stay in constant communication with Him. We've got to put Him first in our life. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Who can understand why we wouldn't would want to delight ourselves in the Lord? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. 
Who can understand why we wouldn't want to put Jesus first and seek his kingdom? Just doesn't make sense, does it? Who can understand his errors? My heart goes out to teenagers. They want to be individuals, but they don't want to be different. And I confess, that's something I cannot understand. I remember going through it. I just can't understand it. And so a friend says, here, try this pill. Or here, smoke this. Or here, do this. They don't understand that there's no such thing as peer pressure. A peer is a legal equal. They can't put any pressure on you. A person who is your equal. Now, somebody who's superior to you, they can put pressure on you. All husbands know that. Okay? Wives put incredible pressure on us because they are superior beings. <clears throat> yeah, I saw those ladies nodding their heads. <laughs> okay? But truth of the matter is, a legal equal cannot put pressure on you. So there's no such thing as peer pressure. And yet teenagers, because of their desire to fit in, their desire not to be different, they want to be individuals, they don't want everybody lumping them all together, but who can understand why they would do something that is going to hurt them when they know it's going to hurt them? And their friend says, oh, no, you'll love it. Try this. Who can understand his errors? I can't. Who can understand why we would allow the devil to lie to us and deceive us and to add to the Word of God? But we know it happens, don't we? Sure. Did y'all see the weekend paper? The weekend post? There's like three pages of news in that thing. Two and a half, I say two and a half, maybe five pages of sports. And then hundreds of pages of ads. Things you did not know you needed that you can't live without. Okay? Bargains. Okay? New cars. Brand new car. And you can have them for nothing down and nothing a month for the first week. <laughs> okay, first day. Okay? And, and everybody knows there's no such thing as a new car. Okay? Once it leaves the factory, somebody gets in it and drives it out of the factory into the parking lot. And then somebody else drives it onto a truck and they take it to the dealer and they drive it off the truck. And then the dealer gets in, runs around in it for a few days. I was given a brand new car. Had 300 miles on it. Okay? 300 miles? Do you know how far that is? That's further than here to Kansas City. And that's new? But all oh, the world wants us to think that you can't live without a new car. Or a new this or a new that. And I confess, I have trouble walking through Lowe's. I've got every tool I could possibly use. Some of them I don't even know how to use. Okay? 
but I got them. And the tools that I don't have are available to me. You know, kind of like pickup truck. I don't have a pickup truck. I just know enough people that do that I can get a pickup truck anytime I need one. But oh, it is so hard to resist. Just as, you know. I made the statement one time I don't believe a preacher in this day and time ought to have two cars. Not when there's so many good trucks on the road. One car, one truck, you can be satisfied with that. (laughs) But the truth is, we cannot be satisfied. Who can understand our errors? Who can understand why we do such ignorant, stupid things? Why we would buy something we can't pay for, presuming that God is going to supply the money to pay for it down the road? Who can understand our errors? I can't understand mine. I can understand yours a lot better than I can understand mine. In fact, I can tell you exactly how to solve your problems. It's my problems I have difficulty with. Aren't we all like that? Oh, the Holy Spirit's so good. He gives us spiritual gifts. He's given me the, the gift of teaching and the gift of giving. And the gift of helps. I just, I just, you know, the gift of ministry. I, I just love waiting on people. I love uh, serving people. I love meeting people's needs. I, it just, wow, fulfills me. But I have another spiritual gift. I have the gift of criticism. It's not from the Holy Spirit, but it is spiritual, I promise. It's from the old devil. You say, Brother Casey, why do you say that? Ask me about anybody. I can tell you what's wrong with them. Okay. Gift of criticism. Oh, who can understand his errors? Not me. But the Word of God understands. The Word of God explains. The Word of God teaches me. And what it teaches me is that while I am not perfect and never will be perfect, Regardless of how I may think of myself, I serve a God who is perfect and who loves me so abundantly that he is willing to forgive my imperfections once I recognize them and confess my errors to him. He'll make me just as though I had never sinned. Now picture this. God cannot allow sin into his presence. He is a holy and a righteous God. Holy means He is complete. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He is righteous. Absolutely without fault. Absolutely without sin. And yet He loves sinners. Hates sin. Loves sinners. We on the other hand have a tendency to love sin and we hate sinners. You know? How could it be like that? How could somebody do that? Big deal this weekend has been Sandy Hook, the first anniversary of Sandy Hook, uh, where that kid walked into the school and killed all those little children, first graders. Okay? How can anybody do that? Well, I know how they did it, how he did it. Okay? He allowed Satan to sit on the throne in his heart 
guide and direct in his life. Satan is known as Abaddon or Apollyon. Those two words, one's Greek, one's Latin, and they both mean the same thing. They mean destroyer. Okay? Satan loves to destroy. He likes to destroy people. He likes to destroy reputations. He loves to destroy testimonies. He likes to destroy churches. He likes to destroy people's faith. That's just who he is. And we allow him such influence in our lives. And yet, we want to spend eternity in heaven with God, who cannot abide sin in his presence. So how in the world am I ever going to be able to stand before God? Well, only one way. God allowed his son to take my sin and pay for it on the cross of Calvary. And then he took it, his own blood, and he poured it out on the mercy seat and covered my sin debt. So that God can't see it anymore. In fact, Isaiah said it like this. Though my sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When you look at something red, through something red, it disappears. Okay? These guys on the submarine had been on, out in sea duty for several months, six months I think. And he came back in and when they came back in, they found out one of the admirals was coming to do an inspection of their ship. Well, they turned on all the lights, and they found out that down in the radar room, <clears throat> there's rust everywhere. They were supposed to have kept the rust sanded off and the thing painted so that it didn't rust, and, and they didn't have time to do all that. So they took red light bulbs and replaced all the white light bulbs in the radar room. You've got to keep it fairly dark. Anyhow, they replaced all the, uh, the light bulbs with red light bulbs and put them in. The general comes in, and all the rust disappears. In the red light. Okay? My sin is covered by the blood of Christ. God looks at it. He can't see it. And the scripture says that Jesus Christ clothes me in his righteousness. We sing that song. Oh, the best thing in my life he ever, I ever did do. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. For the old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn, but the new robe is spotless, had never been worn. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. So when I appear before God, I have the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God looks at me and He doesn't see any sin. Because Jesus took my robe and wore it to the cross of Calvary. Who can understand man's faults? I can't. The psalmist says, Cleanse thou me from secret faults, secret sins, What's that mean? Cleanse me from secret sin. All the ones that I don't want anybody to know about. You know? Ones I try to hide from the preacher. You say, Brother Casey, you try to hide stuff from the preacher? I try to hide stuff from everybody. But the eye of God sees me in the dark like it was noonday. God has this incredible night vision. 
He sees you in the dark like it was noonday. When you are alone, you are never alone. God is there. He is always watching. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15.3 tells us. Okay? So, cleanse me from secret faults, secret sins. And keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. What's a presumptuous sin? Oh, that's where you know it's wrong and you know God will punish you for it and you do it presuming on His grace and mercy. Because you did it before and God didn't pound you. You did it before and God didn't strike you dead. But if you want to know about the seriousness of sin, read the Old Testament. Because the first time somebody breaks a law, they're punished to the, almost to the full extent of God's wrath, His judgment. These guys are fighting, young men probably, and one of them in the midst of this fight takes God's name in vain. Okay? The guy who's fighting him backed up immediately. And the people who are watching said, you're in trouble. Go with us. Come with us. We're going to see Moses. They took him to Moses, and Moses put him in a tent and set them watchmen around them. And then Moses went to God and said, God, you gave us the law, and one of the laws says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What should we do about it? And God said, stone him to death. Oh. So the next morning they took the skid out of the tent. Took him outside the camp. The people who heard him picked up the first rocks and started heaving them at him until they knocked him down. And then they gathered the big, big rocks, big as the rocks as they could carry, and they dropped them on his chest and on his head until he was dead. That is what God thinks about people profaning his name. Okay? For us to know that and to go ahead and use our little bywords and use God's name in vain is presumptuous. A presumptuous sin. This boy wants a warm meal on Saturday. Nothing wrong with that, except God said, Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Thou shalt do no work. On the Sabbath day. And this kid goes outside the camp, starts picking up sticks so he can build a fire and his mom can cook a warm meal for Saturday. And the people see him and they bring him to Moses. And God says, put him in his tent. Guard him. I'll ask God. They ask God what they ought to do. God said, stone him to death. Now why stoning instead of hanging? Well, because not a lot of trees in the, out in the wilderness. And there's lots of rocks all over the Middle East. So... Stoning is the easiest way. They stone him to death. But we don't have any problem going shopping on, on, on the Lord's Day. If you want to honor the Sabbath, then keep it on Saturday. If you want to honor the Lord's Day, then do it on Sunday. We as believers honor the Lord's Day because it's the day of His resurrection. No problem with that. But there ought to be a day a week where we honor God. But we don't. We're presumptuous. Other presumptuous sins? 
Whoa. How about God providing you with a little increase? Say, like what? Well, like a wage or a salary or a job or you get paid or just fruits and vegetables out of your garden, out of your orchard, whatever it is. And God says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. He said, 10%? Wow. We do that, we won't have enough left over to pay our bills. God says in Malachi, if you do it, I will rebuke the devourer. Okay? I'll rebuke the devourer so that you will have enough. In fact, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing as you'll not be able to receive it. And for us not to trust God, whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. That's presumptuous. We put God first. He promises to take care of everything else. How can we be so foolish? Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Don't let them rule my life. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then he closes this psalm out with this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Is everything you say pleasing to God? Everything you think about, is that acceptable to God? I passed out those sheets this morning about pornography, the effects of pornography on men. It's like taking a narcotic and a mind-altering drug at the same time. I read that and I thought, that explains that. That explains why it's so addictive, why it's so hard to resist, why it's so hard to get away from. That explains it. But who can understand our faults? My faults, your faults. God understands. And he says, if we'll let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in his sight, he'll take care of all that. He'll take care of it. I don't know if you understand what that means. A man says, comes out of his heart. As a man speaketh, the scripture says, so is he. Okay? So I want the meditations of my heart to be right. Because I'd like to be a man who's right with God. Seventeen errors in the word of God. The first, the two we've looked at so far, kind of put the kibosh on us. 
this morning. Talking about keeping vows you made to God. Doing what you told God you would do. Don't say to the angel, oh, it was an error. Lest God be angry at your words and destroy the work of your hands. I don't want God fighting against me. My arms are way too short to box with God. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And tonight, Psalm 119. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we love you. We're so grateful to you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, for the warnings in it, for the instructions in it. And for what it tells us about your love and mercy, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dear Lord, we just we just want to be close to you. We want to walk with you. We want our thoughts to be of you. We want your blessings. Dismiss us with your love. Lord, bless the the meal after church tonight. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do for us. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.